Lead Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Allman and Jack Kalliberg. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Tim Allman here with Jack Kalberg. Uh, Today, Jack, we're going to talk about enemies. Uh, This came from a blog written by one of my favorite writers and leaders, James Emery White. If you don't follow uh, James Emery White's uh, weekly blog, you can just Google that and I'm sure you'd, you'd find it. He always makes me think. And his blog was titled, You Will Have Enemies. And it was a provocative provocative title. Uh, As we get into the conversation about enemies, here are some things we'd love for you to remember. People are not your enemy, no matter how differently they view the world, no matter their, their worldview, their ideology, their political stance, people are not your enemy. Or their disposition to you. They may consider you their enemy, but that doesn't mean that you need to think of them as your enemy. And that's what Paul teaches us. He does a fantastic job teaching about. Now, Jesus, Jack, had enemies. He did. He? Mm-hmm. Jesus had a lot of enemies. And he even said things like, I did not come to bring peace, but uh, a right. sword. It's a uh, little wonder in the power play with the Pharisees and with Rome that his uh, life ended. I love this quote from James Emery. Uh, his life ended with the coronation as king of the Jews on a Roman on a Roman cross, uh, Jesus right. was okay having having enemies, uh, but he came even for his for his enemies, right? Right. So, what is the what is the posture if there is an enemy? What is the enemy, Jack? The enemy. So, from my perspective, the enemy is unbelief. Right. We think of yeah. sin as the thing that creates um, enemies. Um, and inability that unbelief then is what causes causes us not to be united in our faith towards Christ, and so that lack of unity, right, and sort of putting hope and idolatry into the things that we take on as our own causes, and having an all or nothing attitude about that. That's what I see as the source of causing enemies between people. That, that's my. And who is the one? Who is the one who plants seeds of unbelief and, and division and discord? It's Satan. Right. So um, it's a satanic force, to, a dark yeah. demonic force that causes right. enemies between people. I was I was counseling a friend of mine. He kept asking me, you know, why am I in this season of conflict right now? Why is there division? And I said, because of sin and right. because of unbelief. Right. So right. if both parties had all of their trust and faith in God, Right. That conflict would not exist as it does right now. It just wouldn't happen. Right. There would be radical, radical humility. Um, Mm -hmm. I think emotional intelligence today, Jack, is on a rapid decline. I think uh, passivity and and hedonism, just protection, radical individualism. 
uh, is on a, a rampant rise today. And this is a time for the church to embrace the tension of saying there is a lot of stuff that could be grabbing our uh, our attention today. And the church, I really believe, and this is why we're having this conversation, is going to have to position, especially leaders, position ourselves as okay with conflict, okay having a prophetic, truth-filled voice in the midst of an ever-increasingly anxious and secular society in which we find ourselves. And uh, one of his main one of his main quotes was like, "We're going to have to become more comfortable being Dietrich Bonhoeffer rather yeah. than Bono." <laughs> now, I like and, I actually like Bono. And, and, and a if little people bit, don't you know? know who yeah. Bonhoeffer is, some people may be watching that don't. Who's this guy Bonhoeffer? This guy was yeah. a really interesting uh, personality that people should learn about. He was a pastor from World War II um, that lived in Germany, and he was challenging the Nazis on, on, um, he did a lot of writing, like just being very open about his challenging of of the Nazi ideology and the belief and sort of the idolatry that existed on that and the the horrible pain and suffering that that was going to cause, right? Yeah. And he ended up losing his life for it. That's right. So radical courage. Courage mm-hmm. at all costs. It says, I will enter into this uh, very dysfunctional and evil uh, society that's going on right now where a lot of the church leaders actually in Germany, Jack, in Bonhoeffer's story, were just yep. going along. They they said, we got to yes. go along to get along. And so whatever Herr Hitler says, uh, you know. Right. Sure, he is. They'll be off is, our back uh, our, our and we just keep doing what we're doing, right? <laughs> just hunger down, <laughs> right. and and hold hold it all together. And this is one of the major problems, actually, of of the state controlled church there in Germany yeah. at the time that uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was was speaking into. Ended up losing his life very shortly, mm-hmm. just days before actually War Two. And very sad. He. He would do whatever it took. If you've never read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, biography by Eric Metaxas, yeah. please, please read it. Or one of his staple books called uh, The Cost of Discipleship and uh, Life Together. Those are Dietrich Bonhoeffer's two books. But what uh, James Emery White was talking about in his blog was that more leaders want to be seen as as Bono, which is <laughs> love yeah. and care and more universalism. Like there right. obviously is a God. We just all and, get and along. It's all about I choose the love to believe, you give, right? <laughs> yeah. I choose to believe in Jesus as, you know, kind of the way to be made right with God, but kind of no matter what. But other what people you, have other paths and that's cool, yeah, right? <clears throat> it's, it's all it's all cool. God is a center spoke and there's all these different kind of paths, world religions, you know, worldviews that that you can kind of it just just make sure you're on the path of of love. Something. <laughs> of lo- well, I would say of, of love, <laughs> of and, love and acceptance, right? Right, right. right. The, the God of this day is love and acceptance at all costs, and the main cost being being truth. So let's get specific here, Jack. I mean, mm-hmm. what are some areas uh, where the church you view uh, has to have some sort of a rhythm of speaking into these main societal struggles? And it may not always be be popular. What, from your perspective, are some of those things? I, I think from my perspective is um, we live in a, a hyper-partisan world right now um, where, at least from my perspective, you know, in, in my years of living, um, there's always been partisanship, but I've never seen so much identity put into that before and so much division and so much siloing um, because of the partisanship that exists right now. The, the 
And so what I'm seeing then is sort of a taking on of um, political identity is almost replacing a person's religious uh, identity where they're seeing their political affiliation as the primary source of their righteousness as a person and a primary source of their meaning in the world. And this is a very, this, and we're talking about this happening both on the left and the right, right? Totally. So um, even though a lot of people that you would say label themselves as conservative are also religious people, you also have to be aware of the fact that both the left and the right, there is this sort of idolatry that exists in, in, in your political affiliation. And uh, I think that's something the church has to be very open and honest about. Um, so as the word of God speaks, Jack, we got to get specific to, to speak. I think right now, leader, if you didn't say anything regarding the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision, right? right. If, if you if you said nothing, <laughs> I think that'd be, a mistake. Of seen as, <laughs> that'd be a mistake. Kind, right. of, kind of seen as as tone deaf. We right. are here to support life. Both the life yeah. of of the mother and the life of the preborn child, right? So that's one issue. If if right. you're not if you're not saying anything today, I'll give you another kind of hot button issue. If you're not saying anything about the confusion that is found in the gender conversation and the LGBTQIA plus conversation, if you're not saying anything about where our true identity is found, one in Christ. And then in how he created you as a male and female, if that's not like filtering into a lot of your messaging as the word of God speaks, so you speak, because this is what the, the culture is kind of promoting right now, that is right. tone that is tone deaf. And at the very same right. time, that could create some some enemies. Well, and let's be clear too, like in the role of the church, if you feel like your way to connect with people is by is by giving love and total affirmation they don't need the church for that they get that mm-hmm. in hollywood they get that that's right there's they get that in the corporate world the whole world is orienting around that but the church has an opportunity to look at issues of truth and connection and reconciliation in a very very different way than culture does that's right and so what you do, you know um we're seeing that in denominations that have taken on that type of disposition, like they're just not thriving because what's the point? What's the point yeah. in going to a church that just gives me the same thing that I can get when I put on my Netflix, you know, show or go to a uh, a, con- a pop concert or something like that? What's the point? Right. So right. the church is, is standing for truth, a timeless truth, an eternal truth, which is different than the type of truth that culture speaks out. And when the church does do that, the church, the church is going to create enemies. There will be enemies, right? Because, sure. you know, we preach law and gospel, and there's no way to preach the law without offending people. There's absolutely right. not offended. a way to do it. I'm always offended when the law is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but we sometimes we have to be offended before we can be humbled, right? That's right. Um, so, yeah, that's no the faith. way I see it. There's no need for for faith apart from recognizing how faithless you are uh, apart right. from Christ. So 
it always starts with the church. So maybe that's one area of confession, leader. You're like, man, I don't really talk about a number of these things too often. Um, I got into ministry. I think a lot of a lot of leaders got into ministry, Jack, because they're radical people pleasers. And, and we will, and I think a lot of times it's subconsciously, we will, um, and we don't embrace conflict and embrace the awkward too much. So we will just keep things very surface level. Our preaching uh, often then takes kind of a, I always know I'm going to hear I'm a sinner and I always know I'm going to hear I'm forgiven. But then how we kind of process what's going on right now in 2022 I don't think a lot of leaders are really speaking into that consistently in a helpful way. And if you come from a Lutheran background, like you have everything you need to talk about this. You have law and gospel. Right. And you can call out how the gods of this age, you have been drawn toward, your your passions, your desires have been drawn toward the God of this age. And one of those gods is political partisanship. So repent of, of seeking to find wholeness and meaning and purpose in political partisanship. Find meaning and purpose under Christ who says you are forgiven. He who has died for your sins and, and been raised to give you newness of life. His spirit lives within you and his kingdom is not of this of this world. So do not be surprised when you hear of rumors of wars and wars and famines. We're hearing all this stuff right now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the the economic <laughs> world collapsing, the dollar disintegrating. Uh, why Fears are you surprised? Civil war and strife. There's a civil right? war, all of this kind of, like, I think the Christian just kind of ha- has to have a posture of, I'm going to shrug my shoulders and say, okay, it, it's all right. Now we get right back to it. We get right back to preaching law and gospel, inviting people to go and be ambassadors of reconciliation and love in a hostile and divided divided world. So don't have enemies because you're unloving or unfeeling. Do not intentionally be caustic and abrasive. Do not uh, try to offend other people. Not, the law will naturally do that. Don't be a jerk. Let's just say it like yeah. that. But do have enemies because you stand for truth, right? Right. And don't withdraw. Right. Like, so like you said, don't be a jerk and just kind of try to own people that have, you know, have a wrong opinion about something, but also don't withdraw because you're afraid of conflict. Right. Lean in with courage and speak the truth and leverage your faith to know that God has given you everything to go into these difficult, awkward conversations with people. It's kind of amazing to think about how the early church boomed, Jack. Yeah. I mean, they were known for radical love and hospitality that crossed cultures, crossed all sorts of political and racial barriers because the message of Jesus was so universal. And at the very same time, and you see this in a lot of Paul's letters, they were very, very pointed on um, not just behavior modification, but heart transformation and character yeah. transformation after the heart and mind of Christ. And and the challenge, the law came to them first. And then it, it was so compelling because people believed, oh my gosh, I have no way to figure this life out on my own. I recognize I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Enter Christ in his love and his His transformation. And, yeah. the, and the thing is, all of them, this is, <laughs> you made this, all of them but one, John, uh, ended up dying a martyr's death, and the the seed he, the he was only in grew. exile. <laughs> he was yeah, he only had to do exile, right? So, and the church grew because of the blood of the martyrs. Actually, martyrdom under persecution, under persecution, right? under, under major persecution. And think allies. about this: mm-hmm. they grew under persecution under a Roman Empire that did everything in its power to slander and persecute mm-hmm. the Christian faith, and. 
that effort to persecute Christianity is one of the things that caused Rome to collapse in under itself. Because you're basically orienting around persecution of a people, and the only thing that they're guilty of is speaking truth and faith and loving you. Hmm. Think about how that is to try and reconcile that if you're a persecutor to do that. It It can happen for a time, but over time, when you're putting somebody to death and all they're guilty of is loving you unconditionally, that's hard to deal with, (laughs) right? And so that system is going to implode in on itself at some point in time. Yeah. Um, Peaceful resistance to the norm. This is what has to be the the staple of the church. There was a movie, and I forget the name of it, but it showed this uh, undersized, Man, and I think it was at a concentration camp. Yeah, this is the World War II story. Uh, and he was a Christian. He was undersized, and he entered into this really dysfunctional because in the concentration camp, there still was hierarchy and, and power. And and um, he entered into a fight with, like, the top dog. The mm-hmm. top dog came at him hard, and everyone was surrounding him. And, and he's just pounding on this man, pounding on this Christian. He kept getting up, doing as best he can to defend himself, just got pounded on, pounded on. And as the story goes, he is just beaten and he keeps getting back up. And the crowd who was at first cheering, yeah, 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 the crowd kind of dispersed. And even the one who was beating the man said, don't get up anymore. Don't get up anymore. I think that is a picture of, of the church today. Like truth is just getting beaten up, beaten up. And I think you could have that posture that says, I'll just stay down, stay in my corner, whatever. But we keep getting up bruised and battered as we may feel uh, metaphorically. But we get up and say, nah, Jesus is is the way he's He's given us his word. He, he's told us the story of which we're a part. And so we're just going to get up and keep bringing the same message over and over and over again about the crucified and risen one who will raise me up too. Right, Jack? Amen. Amen. That's a different posture. So courage is doing what is right, even when it's unpopular. It's not, yeah, this, it's this not is the a, norm. Yeah, th- this is something that's echoed in the military. They call it taking the hard right over the easy wrong. Yeah. Right? Um, and with faith, right? <laughs> with faith, you're given the power to do that, right? You, you've been given an incredible courage, an incredible peace, uh, a joy that comes along. It doesn't mean that you're going to live a life free of suffering. What it means is that you have hope and joy that coexists with the suffering that you have in this life, which is not present in people that don't believe. Think about that. That's right. It's not. uh, So, but the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven, wants it to be. (laughs) He wants it to be. It's calling them for it, right? (laughs) And the the audacity of the story is that uh, the church is the only, the only answer. People of God, founded and grounded in faith in Christ, mobilized for mission is the answer in the midst of this toxic polarizing world. So one takeaway, if you happen to be a church leader, uh, would be to say, how are you bringing other people into the story as you're preaching? If you're preaching the lectionary or you're preaching down through series, do you have a group of people 
Maybe it's your elder team, or if you've got a staff, a group of people. Here, it's about 20 people who are speaking into our upcoming uh, seasonally sensitive, so lectionary sensitive sermon series that we're preaching. And are we looking at, Jack, the felt needs of our world and then saying, is the church in our preaching, in our teaching and, and leading, are we are we speaking to those respective felt needs? It ta- you love right. talking about felt needs. Close with that. Yeah, the big felt needs that we're walking through right now, uh, which is a phenomenal opportunity for the church to engage with society. The number one is marriage. Um, mm-hmm. People care deeply about the quality of their marriages. And there will, there will be an opportunity for the local church to engage with people on that topic, even if they're not interested in an invitation to worship. That's something key to think about when, when we talk about engaging people on felt needs. The so next you're going to give us, Jack, to close yeah. here. These are four data, four. big data-backed D- felt, felt needs. Uh, yeah, this we is found, and this a- is for the United States. Yeah, and we want to thank our friend uh, Matt Engel from Glue, who's been sharing right. this data with us. The second one is mental health. So this is kind of a new one. I've never really thought about what we've always known as the church is a place where people can go and get counseling. But uh, I heard this interesting statistic. 80% of people will try to get help with mental health issues at a religious institution before they go see like a professional psychologist. Yep, that's true. I, I mean, I just know of it anecdotally. Uh, yeah. Folks will come and see me uh, before and, and, and then we make good recommendations. Go ahead. And the demand in this post nine, uh, 2019 time of COVID and, you know, political tension and and all this uncertainty of the world and shutdowns and all that kind of stuff is that level of anxiety, that level of mental health need is going through the roof now. It's going through the roof just because people don't have the same faith that they used to have. And they're processing existential fear and, and anxiety in just really different ways right now. And so there's a, a great opportunity for the church to come alongside and provide care for mental health. The third then um, is leadership. <laughs> Which, right? I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that because we love leadership here. So we're, we're already thinking about really creative ways to engage the community on leadership. We do it internally and we're looking for ways to do it externally. And then the fourth being parenting. So um, what does the local church do to equip people to be better leaders and to be better parents, better leaders in the community, not just in the church, the church benefits from it, but in in the workplace, in the home as parents, right? <clears throat> That's right. So hopefully you're setting up spaces uh, for your members to start to grow, to, to process, uh, living with truth and love in the midst of this really caustic and, and polarizing day and age in which we find ourselves today. And here's the overarching thing. You will have enemies. Uh, you don't make other people your enemies. And there is one enemy. His name is Satan. And thankfully, he has been defeated. His days are numbered. He's uh, been killed. He may think he's a roaring lion. No, he's been killed, squashed by the crucified and risen one. His name is the Lion of Judah. His name is Jesus. Call upon Jesus. He is your mighty warrior, uh, your defender in the midst of the craziness of this day and age. And uh, we are here for you. We are better together. And that is one of the reasons the Unite Leadership Collective exists. 
if we can care for you in any way, just hit us up at uniteleadership.org. Thanks for joining us today on Lead Time. Great job as always, Jack. And we will see you next week for a fresh episode. Before that, sharing is caring. Also, uh, subscribe wherever oh, yeah. you are consuming podcasts, be it Spotify or iTunes or any other platform beyond that, Google Podcasts, whatever it is, please subscribe there. That really helps us get the word out. Thanks for joining us today on Lead Time. We'll see you next God week. God bless. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC consults and brings together cohorts of congregations to build the culture, systems, and structures of intentional discipleship multiplication. To go deeper with us, create a free login on uniteleadership.org for access to exclusive materials and resources. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.